Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Romans chapter 1, verse number 8. First, the Bible says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests. If by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. If there's a title for the message, it would be prospering or prosperous through the will of God. In verse number eight, we see the thankfulness. In verse number nine, we see the prayer, which is a consistent theme throughout Paul's entire ministry. First Corinthians one, Ephesians one, Philippians one, Colossians one, first and second Thessalonians. We see this consistent theme of verse number eight. I thank my God. Verse number nine, always in my prayers. You read verse eight and 10. He hasn't even met them yet. (laughs) And he's praying for them. He's the object of their prayer. And he ain't even met them. (laughs) Verse number 13. Look what it says there. Now I would have you. I would not have you ignorant brethren. That all times I purposed to come unto you. But was let hitherto that I also might have some fruits among you. Even also among the Gentiles. We're not preaching on verse. But I'm going to say verse number 13. He hasn't even met them. There's obstacles in his life. There's obstacles in his way of getting there. He's the object of their prayer. Even with all that's going on in his life, he's thankful. He's praying for him. Look at verse 14. I am a debtor, both the Greeks and the barbarians, both the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He's obligated 100% to people That he hasn't even met yet. Now that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Look what it says in verse 8. We'll get back to our text. We're going to be looking at 8, 9, and 10 this morning. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Paul sets the tone by personally saying thank you. I. He says thank you for participating. And Paul is look. He sees these Roman believers, and he's looking at them through the lens of Christ, and how Christ would look at them. Look at the second half of verse number eight. The Bible says that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. That's a pretty good reason to be thankful and to pray. It's throughout all the world. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have TikTok. They didn't have Gab. They didn't have a telephone. They didn't have a television. They didn't have a a, a cell phone. They didn't have a telegraph or a telegram. Or they didn't have any of that. And it seems to me that the whole world heard about it. Why am I saying that? Because a few people whose hearts are set on fire for the living God can go a long way. I am amazed. We, we, we look at the sermon audio where our, our, our sermons go. And I think we were in 13 
countries. I look at them like, wow, really us? Like who? I would expect Tennessee. I'd expect Florida, you know, are sending church and all that, but it's going abroad. And I'm telling you that we can, through the victory that we've wrought in Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and we'll get to this, we can have a prosperous journey if God's in it. I believe that he is. I want to continue to pray that he uses. You know why it went through the whole world? Simply put, they trusted God. And God, the almighty God, the creator of the heaven and earth, will see to it that his word goes abroad. There's our method for revival. <laughs> I mean, really, you, you just get out of the way and say, Lord, use me however way you would. And just let God do it. He wants to use you, but he don't want you to come up and you don't want me to come up with these grand ideas. Just let's just stay, stay with the word of God. Um, here's another interesting thing. Get Ephesians chapter six, but keep your finger in Romans one. This is a convicting uh, this is a convicting verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. You would kind of want the comma to be after Christ. And then it read that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, it doesn't say that. It says, there's three words that I had left out on purpose. It says, for you all. <laughs> And the reason those are convicting verses is because isn't it easier to fellowship with the people you like? Isn't it easier to pray for the people that see everything the way that you see it? It is. But Paul says he's going to pray for all of them. You see something in the Bible that somebody else doesn't see. Man, it's easy when that you find out they don't agree with it the way you do. They just sit somewhere else in the fellowship. <laughs> it's easy to bring the meal to the, to the family that's doing everything the way your family's doing it. It's easy for the people in the higher social class to just sit and be able to fellowship and relate to the people that are on the equal plane of the social class. <laughs> this is how neighborhoods are built. <laughs> Rich people live over here. The poor people live over here. None of that exists in the church. God don't care if you're rich. God don't care if you're poor. God don't care if you're black. God don't care if you're white. God doesn't care about any of the stuff that we take pride in. You got one virus that hit the country and it divided everybody in the matter of, depending on who you ask. Well, quickly. Quickly. In Christ, that shouldn't happen. There shouldn't be anything that should separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. We should be in his word. Obviously, we should know right doctrine. Obviously, we should pray for each other for you all. And, and I ask you to turn to Ephesians 6. Watch what it says. Look at verse 18. Last verse. Or no. Ephesians 6, 18, it's not the last verse, but it's praying always with all prayer 
and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Do you see all prayer? Do you see in the spirit? Do you see all perseverance and supplication? And do you see all saints? We don't need a convention to give us approval. We don't need a board to give us approval. We don't have to have a business meeting to decide who to pray for. Let's pray for each other. All, everybody. If we want to be like Paul, a servant in verse 1 of Romans 1, we should be able to fellowship and get along and pray for all of our brothers and sisters, especially, especially at our local assembly. Romans chapter 1, let's get back there. Verse number 9. Romans chapter 1, verse 9. For God is my witness. That's a pretty strong appeal. Whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel. Of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. How are you serving God? Paul says in the Holy Spirit inspiration, whom I serve with not my flesh, not my body, with my my spirit. First Thessalonians 5, it says the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body. We have three. We tend to do things in the flesh because that's. Well, that's our nature. But you are you. Me. All of us Christians, all of mankind, rather, we're a spirit that's housed in a body, and we are possessed by our soul. <laughs> we are three soul, spirit, body. Except we usually like to think of it body first, <laughs> and then soul, and then spirit last. Why? Because we think about fleshly things and carnal things first. And God, it's interesting that he puts soul and uh, soul, uh, spirit and soul and body in 1 Thessalonians 5. He puts body last. We can all serve God in our spirit much better if we put our body last. <laughs> My body hurts. Okay, just serve God. My body hurts. Just pray. My body hurts. Think of all the saints and pray for them. Will my body stop hurting? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you have already raised children. Some of us are in the midst of raising children. And before we had children, we had all the answers because we read a book. <laughs> there was some seminar that someone said, oh, you got to go to this. because Nobody's got all the answers, number one. Number two, after you start raising kids, you realize that you don't have all the answers. <laughs> and when you get to a point where they're already raised and gone, you can look back in hindsight and say, you know what? Glad that's over. <laughs> no, you can say, wow, God did more than we gave him credit for before we started having kids. And we give him credit for as we're raising our kids. And we go from we got it all figured out. Just well, just waiting. The room's ready. The, I'm waiting for that baby to arrive because we, we read this book. And then by the end of it, you're like, you know what? God, thank you for your book and thank you for everything that you've done. I say that to say, 
your flesh, your body, your mind, your, it's all going to get worn out. You got to be able to serve God, your spirit. That's what Paul really is tapped into. And Paul, he didn't need elegant theology. He didn't need polished preaching. He didn't need fabulously designed architecture. He didn't need fleshly music. All he needed was God and to tap into the Holy Spirit of God. And God was able to use that man. We have in our day beautiful architecturally designed buildings. Some of them I don't even know how they pay for. Well, I guess I do. They extort money out of good Christian folk and confuse them into things. But if it's an elegant building and God's word is preached, then say hallelujah, praise the Lord. But Paul doesn't need any of that. He doesn't need, like we talked about before, a weekend seminar. He doesn't need a three-day revival camp. He doesn't need a week-long uh, inspirational deal to get him amped up to serve the Lord. He's serving the Lord in his spirit, and that's what he's going to do. Go over to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Look at verse 14. You all know this verse. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. When you talk to a lost man or a lost woman, don't expect them to get it. You're talking far into them and they're not receiving it. You have to pray that the Holy Spirit of God would so convict their heart that the light bulb would come on. They'd start getting it. In our flesh, we can't convince someone else's flesh who's a natural man and has not been regenerated to get it. I don't like what's going on nowadays. But on one side of me, I'm like, well, no kidding. They're lost people. They're natural men. They don't receive or want anything that has to do with God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul wasn't like that. He served God with his spirit. He is spiritually discerned and he was able to minister truth because of that. The fruit of the spirit and all goodness and righteousness and truth is why we should serve God in spirit and in truth. The two are coupled together and you can't separate them. That's how you identify true worshipers. Roman, uh, uh, not Romans, John 4. Last thing I want you to notice about Paul and our Christian service. It's not an outward performance and it's not a show. We are presenting our bodies outwardly. But our bodies are presented as a living sacrifice. And then our bodies should be holy and acceptable, not to man, not to the religious establishment, not to the right wing, not to the conservatives 
but before God Almighty, who is above all of them. That's who we present our outward body to, and we serve him in spirit and in truth. And if we do that, our bodies will be holy and acceptable, and we will be doing reasonable service. Romans 1, let's continue to move on. It says, In verse number nine, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. We talked about that. Now it says in the gospel of his son. This is what binds them together. This is the glue that holds them because the service to his son is the specific purpose. And the overarching desire is that the son would be served and the gospel of the son would be preached. Does your life purpose resolve around that theme? Or if you're over 40, you know this to be true. The more that you are around people, the more you fight with them. Actually, children as young as four, five, six years old can probably understand this concept. Why do brothers and sisters fight? Because they're around each other all the time. <laughs> Why do families and spouses fight? They're around each other. Why do church splits happen and why do... Uh, why do why do rifts and tips and fights happen in, in churches? We're around each other all the time. Now, put that thought here and let's go over to another thought. When you have when you have junk going on and you've got unrighteousness going on and you've got false doctrine going on and you've got things that are happening that should not be happening, those are things we're fighting about. You've got to fight for truth. You've got to protect the church, which is the body of Christ, the pillar and ground of truth, right? So I'm not talking about that. Those things need to be addressed. And if someone's not going to stand on the word of God, and someone's going to get all into this liberalism, then it's not my fault or your fault they leave. <laughs> what I'm saying is that there are Christians in good Bible-believing teaching churches that have drama going on because they're fighting about the wrong things. How do you get brother and sister to not fight? You go take a nap, you go paint the fence. <laughs> you separate them, <laughs> right? Just get away from each other. How do you get husband and wife not to fight? You take a trip to Coles. You're going to lose. See you at the end of the day. Okay. <laughs> and nobody's fighting. How do you get church people not to fight? You get them away from each other and you send them out to the world. And you tell them to go after the lost people and fight as vigorously and hard as you can against them. Rather than tearing each other apart. Now, thank God we've got a good spirit. And I've said this before. I thank God I'm not Paul happened to minister to the Corinthian church. Imagine that. 
It's just you got to correct everything. Thank God we've got a good spirit. Just a, I mean, it's just good. It's just sweet fellowship. But if we're not careful and we drop the ball on our ministry to the, this lost and dying community, we could be right in the spot where the Corinthian church was getting rebuked. I got some fight drive in me. How many of you have some fight drive in you, man? We do. Let's use all that vigor for lost souls out there. Paul, I believe, got a hold of this, and he wanted to be in God's service. And he was going to do whatever it took for him to get to Rome. And I commend him for it. By, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, he did it. Verse 10. Bible says, Romans 1, verse 10, making requests. If by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Paul's request, God would bring them to the Romans in his timing, God's timing. And his prayers were subject to the will of God. Verse number nine, look at it again. It says in the middle of the verse, without ceasing. Verse number 10, at the end of the verse, it says to come unto you. I want to take a little trip back to Rome in that day. Paul's thanking God for Jesus Christ for all of them. And I can't think of a better testimony than that. If we were to take a trip back to Rome. And put our minds there. The book of Romans was written in about 57 AD. In 54 AD Nero covered Christians in animal skins and sent wild animals after them to kill them. That alone should have put in perspective, I never thought America would get this bad. Well, nobody did, but the government isn't covering us in animal skins and then sending wild animals after us. I mean, should I, do I have to say yet? I don't know. Where, but, but I'm just saying it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty, pretty bad. This is a this is a this is someone that is ruling Nero who killed his own mother. He killed his first wife. They say that he killed his second wife. This is a wicked, wicked ruler. Paul, we don't know exactly. The Bible doesn't tell us. But his, historians say that Paul was martyred under Nero's rule. Bible doesn't tell us he was beheaded, but there's a pretty strong history that says that he was. Peter crucified upside down. This is all under Nero's rule, and he ruled till about, I don't even think it was till 70 AD. It's a bad place to be, and it's a bad time to live in. In 155 AD, the Romans martyred Polycarp. He was burned alive. He was a, Polycarp was a disciple of John. And one of the early church leaders. You know what his last words were? Imagine being Polycarp. You're going to be burned alive. And the people around that time said, oh, we'll help find some wood. I can tell you what I would say if I was on the stake. It wouldn't be Bible. <laughs> 
I'm just telling you, it's easy to preach. It's hard to live these things. Put yourself in that situation. Here's what Polycarp said. I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour, so that in the company of the martyrs I may share the cup of Christ. Imagine being a Christian in that time where if you didn't bow down to the Roman gods, you were executed. And all you had to do was bow down to false gods. That's the day that we're in. When we go back there, we're taking our minds back there. That's where we're in right now. And we say, well, it's never been so bad. That's because we're American Christians. We've got two cars, house, vacation house. We don't have a vacation house. We just go to the Hampton for a little bit, come back home, air conditioning, a soft pillow. And if you don't like the hotel's pillow, you bring your own pillow. Three blankets, four or five sets of clothes, shoes. And when the Fauci flu hits, everybody thinks the mark of the beast is coming. People have been marking their bodies for years. You look around and see all the all the marks. People got ink all over the place. <laughs> They've been tattooing themselves since the beginning of time, taking marks. And we think the world's going like, to go live in Rome. Put on an animal skin and get to running. Because they're coming after Christians. The first and, uh, first and second century, crucifixion, burning at the stake, and being attacked by wild animals was where you could end up as a professing Christian. That would be leopards, boars, lions. They just come after you. They make a one-day festival out of it. And it wasn't the evil Nero or whoever was ruling afterwards that was the only one that was there. There were a lot of people there. Persecution. Hits. In Paul's day, when Romans, when Roman, the book of Romans is being written, military might was the clear sign of dominance. Yet, these Roman Christians and Paul, they found no glory in the Roman regime because they were enlisted in a more powerful army. That was the army of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were ready to serve the Lord. So my question as we close out is whose will will prosper? Your will, my will, or God's will? Their testimony as Paul is going to come and take this journey to meet these Romans was evidence. It was a powerful testimony. It was evidenced by the way that they lived their lives. Everybody is concerned about the United States becoming under a socialist dictator rule. And I am too. Except in Paul's day, you had a dictator ruling. It's never been worse. No, it's been worse. It's just never been worse for us. But when you have people whose hearts have been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter who is going to kill your flesh. It doesn't matter who's going to persecute your body. 
they've got somebody better ruling in their hearts. And that's what you have. And that's what I have. And that's what this lost and dying world doesn't have. And that's why we need to live in the will of God and let God's will prosper our life. One more verse. We'll wrap it up. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. The Golden Corral is too busy right now anyway, so get there late. You don't have to wait in line. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Keep your finger in Romans 1. Second Corinthians 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. This world is ruled by Satan, not God. He has given Satan temporary control. And then it says, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. This world is a dark place. People's eyes are blinded. We turn on the light switch to shine the gospel. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. The superior authority is not Rome. The, the superior authority is not our government. The superior authority says that it's far Above all of that. And it doesn't matter. Who is governing you down here. Thank God. That we don't live. Under the type of governorship. That was happening in early Rome. And the last thought I want to leave you is this. frustrates me because on one hand I'm frustrated and I hate the way that our nation is going but on the other hand it frustrates me because so many people complain about the government and the vaccine or no vaccine and the mask or the no mask and the government lockdown or no government lockdown and then the third jab or not the third jab and then All of that consumes you. All of that consumes many well-intentioned Christians. And life just becomes a way of complaining about the Roman Empire. <laughs> complaining about the United States government. Complaining about everything that's going on. And God said, I am far above that. Why don't you just get plugged into me? And shine the light of the glorious gospel in the lost and dying world. You know how much ground that we have lost? Because we're worried about the Roman Empire. <laughs> Stop worrying about the Roman Empire. They're going to do what they're going to do. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. There's nothing I can do to stop it. And I'm not standing on Capitol Hill trying to shut down government. 
They're going to do what they're going to do. I want them to leave me alone. And I want to be free to be able to preach the gospel. And if I get distracted, I'm going to complain about the Roman Empire. You know what Paul didn't do? He didn't spend the first half of Romans complaining about Rome. You don't have one word in there from Paul complaining about all the junks going on. He says, you're the object of my prayer. I don't care what objections come my way. I'm getting there and I am committed to come unto you. And you know what I'm saying to you? I don't care what's going on in this world. I'm not going to let it stop me serve God. I'm not going to let it stop us to serve God. And that means they want to come down here and shut us down. Then we're going in my basement or your basement or your basement. We're going somewhere. But I'm not going to get bogged down with fighting the Roman Empire, whoever the Roman Empire might be. Because Paul didn't, and God doesn't want us to do that. We've got the power of the gospel. Paul is not letting any of the ruling Caesars control him. He's controlled by the power of God. And Paul just got a hold of this. He said, I am subject to a power that is far above all principality. And power and might dominion in every name that is in. And our power is in the will of God. And really, it's the only power that you and I all need to account for. The world has ups and downs. It has its rights and its wrongs. It has its confusion and its clarity. I turn on the news. One day I got clarity. I turn it on again. Now I'm confused. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know which way up and down. I'm counting on people to help me out. <laughs> I am. But if I live in the power of God's will, I am not confused. And either will you be. And if we would put this waiting every day, if we put this waiting on the power of God's will in the forefront of our mind. We will have direction to serve him in the midst of confusion. Paul didn't bow his knee to Caesar. He was a servant of Jesus Christ. He was separated under the gospel. In verse 8, it says, that's my God. In verse 9, he says, God be my witness. In verse number 10, he says, journey by the will of God. Everything he did was by the will of God. And lastly, in Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says this, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. Verse number 11. In whom also we obtain, obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh, watch this, all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be what? To the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in Christ. Are you gladly serving Christ amongst your church family, amongst your home family, and your workplace, wherever you go? Are you gladly serving Christ? And is your journey, is your journey like Paul's, is your journey by the will of God? And if your journey is by the will of God, don't worry about the Roman Empire because it will, your journey will be prosperous if it is by the will of God of God, it will be prosperous.
Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.